Okay, good morning, everybody. Everybody is well. Happy Tuesday for those that are here live, for those that are here any day of the week. Thanks so much for being here. We're honored to be together. Special week on the Jewish calendar. This is the week of Purim. We will not be having a boost on Friday. And on Thursday, there's something extra that I will talk to you guys about on Thursday. Until now, we've been picking up, we'll, we'll pick up with what we've been building. We've, we've all gone into the real estate business and spoke about the concept of building thresholds, building rooms, taking this one huge auditorium called our brain with all the different booths that are sitting there, all the cubicles and all the noise that takes place in our minds and then starting to erect walls and corridors so that when you walk into a large facility, it's not just this massive noise. I remember one of the most frightening moments of my life, not really, but was when I sat down to take my, my uh, the bar exam. I don't know if they still do this right now. I don't think so. But back in the day that I took it, it wasn't so long ago, by the way, for the record. They sat you in the Javits Center. For those of you, the New Yorkers that are listening to this, that took the bar, you know what I'm talking about. And what they did was, from apparently to intimidate you, is they everyone took it in the Javits Center. So as far as the eye can see, there are students and desks. Massive. And then when the test starts, they drop the, the gates. It's incredible. Can you imagine sitting there at the bar exam and they go, and, and then you hear chink, 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 chink. And you look around and it's just the, the, the gates are down. It's like the WWF. Somebody's freaking out. There's someone having a panic attack. It was just, and you had to just put your head down and, and do your work. But the noise, the noise before the test it was deafening. That's how, that's how a lot of how our minds are. We just we just have one big room, and just like this all day, we're just moving around, ping ponging. We're here. We're thinking five years before, two years yesterday. Something pops up. It just everything is just all over the place. And then you put up a wall, and then another wall, and then a threshold. Before you know it, you got yourself functioning building with apartments with bedrooms and offices and bathrooms and kitchens then you start creating order in the greatest mansion you can ever build which is the mansion of your mind you don't have to be some brilliant person to do this because everyone is born with the same ability. Everyone has neuroplasticity. It's just a matter of time and attention. Just whether we want to do it. It doesn't matter who's listening, whoever you are. Just a question of if you want to. And what we've been speaking about is this idea of the thresholds and the thresholds tell you that I'm about to go into a room. And when you build a threshold that is appropriate for the room inside it, then when you get to the room, your brain Nick, shows you how to be appropriate in that room. 
And then when you get to the room, you experience the room for what it is. When you get to the room called your relationship with this person and you have time with them, you're in the relationship. When you get to the room of spirituality, you're in that. When you get to the room of introspection, when you get to the room of sleep, well, there's a lot of science behind sleep and how to how to sleep, how critical it is, and what you should be doing before you get into your bedroom. How terrible it is when the screens are there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because science is like, listen, there's a room in your life called sleep, and if you get a lot of it, or at least enough of it. It's going to really help you. Really, your body needs it. And if you get to bed and like you're still on your phone, it's when we look at our lot and this time, there's, there's a lobby. This time for you to be just all over the place doesn't mean that every second has to be structured. But when there's some structure, you can go through your day and over time, naturally, be fully invested in the different aspects of the day. You're not spending more time, but you're getting a lot more done because now you're in the world of productivity and not busyness. Now you're in the world of intentionality. Now you're taking your mind and using it in the right way. Now you're attaching your soul to something. And so for the same amount of time, you get much more benefit. I remember when I was in my economics class in college, my professor, after like a full day of showing economic theory, said, remember, working hard is not the same as working smart. You can work hard and not work smart. There are a lot of people, myself included, who could be working hard every week, but not smart enough. And part of working smart is being able to be to, to connect to the thing that is in front of you at the level that it needs it. And then you get the most out of that experience. And then you create the right habit to continue that experience. So your kid may not need you hovering over them 20 hours a day. They just need, they, they may just need a 30 minute time to just be with them every night at the same time. They know that's their safe space. And if you're running around all day, but they have that 30 minute slot, that may be enough. Now, it doesn't mean you can't spend the rest of your time with it, but like that may be what they need. And when you build a room where the two, where two of you live in and you're fully there, it could be 30 minutes and that could change the entire life of your child. A 20-minute start your day where you're thinking about what to do that day, where you blocked all of your distractions, where you have the time to sit down with a pen or a laptop or a computer or something in your hand, and you are thinking about what is the most important thing and making the, the, the pathway, the plan for your day. And it's a hallway that you walk through and a room that you sit in alone may totally change your day week, month, year. And someone goes, what, what happened to you? And you're like, I don't know, 20 minutes. That's what happened to you. It's a new room you built in your house called introspection. 
Because why would we know where to go if we weren't thinking about where to go? You wouldn't get in a car and expect to land. You wouldn't get to a car and be like, well, I'll just drive and I'm sure I'll get there, right? No, you won't. You'll get stuck on the Van Wick. But when you put, when you spend, and by the way, I do this all the time. Tell me if you're like this, by the way. And especially if you live in urban areas. So for those who live in like the more, you know, less trafficy areas, just tell me, thank you, by the way, boost. Tell me, if you, tell me this happens to you. How many times has happened to you where you got to go somewhere and you just get in your car and you drive and then you drive and all of a sudden you're like in bumper to bumper traffic and you're like, what's going on here? And then you put on ways on the road. Does that ever happen to you? And you're like, what, why is the whole screen red? Oh, there was, there's construction. And you're thinking, why don't I just put on ways in the driveway? If I would have put on ways in the driveway, they would have said, go right instead of left. I would have been there already. The answer is because I wanted to get going. I didn't want to wait the two minutes to put the Waze app on and put in the address of where I got to, and how to get there. Why would I use technology that'll tell me what's 15 steps ahead? It only takes me two minutes. You know what two minutes is? I got to keep on rolling. I'm already out the driveway down the road. Yeah, two minutes. You would have told me, yeah, the area that you want to go to, that there, that's this construction there. And you'll be sitting but with 100 cars before you and 50 cars behind you for the next 40 minutes. So why don't you just put me on, Way says, and I'll just take you around the back. Because it's two extra minutes. And the last 10 times, it didn't matter. It's our life. You build a room called introspection. You go in every single day. It takes you 10, 15 minutes. Where am I going? What do I got to do? What are the big issues that I got hit today? What are the calls I have to make? What are the things I need to avoid? Changes your whole day. Why don't we do it? We don't have a room for it. That's why. Because we're sitting in the Javits Center. Just put up a wall. Put up a little threshold. Call the room 9 a.m. Not don't put it 9 a.m. Not Eastern time. That's for that's for me and you. Call the room, you know, 8:30 a.m. And when you wake up in the morning, grab your coffee and walk into the room in your mind. And it could be in your house or in your office. And sit down and start writing. How come we don't have a relationship with God? It's not because we weren't taught how to read Hebrew. It's not because we don't know the prayers, because we don't have time for him. Period. We don't have, we have time for him. God is our mirror. The verse in Psalm says, God is your shade. That means that when you move your hands, the shade moves. So, so too, when you act, God acts the way you act. Why don't we relationship with God? Because we don't spend any time with him. How long is that going to take? Just put up a room. Maybe it's in a synagogue. Maybe it's in your own house. Maybe it's the prayers that you read out of a book that you were taught how to pray with. Maybe it's the words that come out of your mouth that from your heart. Put up a room. Build a threshold. Find what are the blocks to get you in that room every day. Put it in your threshold. Connect your room to the room that you were in beforehand. I hope everyone's following the example. I wake up in the morning. I have a ritual. When I'm done with my morning ritual, what do I do next? Stick a room next and go somewhere. We take our massive auditorium and we start putting up these beautiful little rooms each of them have different needs and then we get to go back to them 
consistently. And we find ourselves taking this incredibly valuable resource called time and deepening it. We live in the same, we click in the same time as the person next to us, but we're not lost in the day. We're not ping-ponging because we have a mansion in our minds. And when we have an extra hour, we go to a room called reading. And as soon as you go to the room called reading and you build a threshold where you touch the book and for a second you're like, okay, I wanna get into this book. You, at some point you walk into that room, you sit on that couch, you pull out that book or the Kindle if you're like that and your pen to make corrections if you're a lawyer and you get a half an hour or 15 minutes where you're, you're in something and you connect to the material in a deeper way. It's all possible. This is how you have a deep experience in life. You meet a new person. They're worthy of your relationship. You put up a room for them. Now, it doesn't have to be like you're, it's overly structured. It doesn't be like if you don't have, like I'm not, don't take it to the point where it's too far and you can't be a human being. But if you want to go deep, hack your brain. It's there for you to hack. That's why God makes it putty. If God didn't want you to hack your brain, he would have hardwired you. He allows, he created neuroplasticity for us to play with. We want the kids to play with the putty. That's why they built Lego sets, because we want the kids to take it apart and put it back together again. That's the point. There's a reason why our think, our thoughts create new neuroplasticity, because God wants us to create our minds. So how do we do it? And I want to spend the next day or two to really delve into an important topic that we've spoken about here once before. But now we can bring it back into this context. How do we fully engage in, with the people and the things to know that when we're in the room, if you will, that we're doing the best that we can? And the answer that we've spoken about here once before, but I want to bring it back and put it into this context now, is the wonderful world of empathy. Empathy is one of the most powerful traits we have as human beings. It, we, we cannot use it enough. Empathy is the ability to feel with somebody, not for somebody. When you feel for someone, that's called sympathy. When you feel with them, you that's called empathy. When I look down and say, I'm so sorry for you, I'm sympathizing. When I am trying to go down with them and feel to some extent their pain, I am empathizing. And one of the great mistakes that we make as we get into the world of depth, as you move into the planet of meaningfulness and we start to put ourselves in scenarios where we could have much richer relationships and much richer meaningful connections, one of the great traps that will come our way is the trap of selfishness. We're doing it for ourselves. I'm here, he's talking, and I don't know, I don't just feel it. It's driving me crazy. 
it's been three minutes with my kid or my friend and I'm like rolling my eyes or I don't know. I, I don't feel it. I did, I did what you said. I did what you said. I, I listened to you. I built the room. I just don't feel it. I, I want to talk to God. I want to introspect. I want to work in a more meaningful way. I want to have a little deeper relationship with my parents, children, friends, spouse. I want, I, I, and I'm going to do it. I'm in. I'm spending the time. I just don't feel it. I don't know. I just don't feel it. I'm trying. I'm here. I put my phone away. I put my phone away. I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting at the kitchen table. And I blocked my calls and I'm here I am. And I'm doing everything you said and I still don't feel any different. What's wrong with me or what's wrong with him or what's wrong with her or what's wrong with them? And the answer is nothing. Because if it's in front of you, it was meant to be in front of you. It could be that what's wrong is that our perspective is about us and what we want to get out of the relationship and what we want to get out of the exchange. We want to get out of the results. As spending the time talking to God, I don't see him poofing the world for me. I'm trying to introspect here and figure out my day, but like, I don't really feel like I'm in the right direction. I'm giving to her. I'm giving to him. I don't feel like it's reciprocating. And this is circling back to the unconditional stuff, but this is much sort of targeted in that the soul isn't concerned with what's good for us, believe it or not. The soul can care less about us. The soul, like we can go back to our example of the energy source, the soul is like the energy out of the outlet. All it needs is to connect to something else. If the energy is about me, trying to get the right piece into the wall, the soul, really is about out it's got so much it has so much potential that the only way that it ever feels any level of benefit is when it is is attached to something else there's so much energy in that outlet that the only way the energy feels good is when you plug something in and the energy flows to the thing that it is plugged in What gives the soul the feeling that we crave for only comes in the process of sharing that which I have to somebody or something else. And so when you walk into the relationship or you're in the room, if you will, the question you have to ask yourself is, what does the room need? What is required of me here? What does the kid, spouse, friend, what does God, if you will, need? What is needed of me today in this office? The arrows have to be pointed towards the thing that you are connecting with and not in order to get it back. That's the challenge. 
in order to really connect properly, you have to be willing to connect your energy out without the, the ability and the expectation of getting it back. And so when you walk into a room, your question is, what is needed of me here? Not, what do I need here? What is needed of me in the next hour at my office? What is needed of me right now on the phone when my friend is calling me? What is needed of me right now as I sit with this kid? What is needed of me right now? I'll go even one step further and then we'll close. What is needed of me right now when I go to bed? Because going to bed could be a selfless act. Because your health, if you're attached to other people, really is selfless. There are people in this world that want me around. There are people in this world that need me in the morning. I am not my body. I don't own my body. My body is on loan. So that my soul has has a garment to walk around this world with, to interact with people. When, you, when, we, when we start to think this way in every interaction, what is needed of me, we start to get the energy out into the other things. We start to fill each of our rooms with this incredible, intangible energy called spirituality. All right, we'll continue this. Have an amazing, amazing day. Make it deep, make it meaningful. Let's build our rooms together. Let's go back to real estate. That's where we belong. Real, real, real estate. All right. Have a great day. With God's help, I can't wait to see you again tomorrow.